And everyone said, hello. <laughs> okay, it was a joke, you know. This was not, it's not really what we believe. Um, it, it, it does demonstrate or does help illustrate a point, however. And that is, uh, friendship is supposed to be helpful. It's supposed to be meaningful. It's supposed to make a difference in your life. For some people, uh, friendship has not been healthy. It's not been good. It's been rather a pain, to be honest, right? Uh, some of you are right now struggling with some of your friendships. And uh, if the truth were known, uh, there are certain friends you like never to see again. Well, I want to talk about that this morning. I want to talk about how to, how to make friends, how to, how to keep them. I want to talk about God's plan, the scriptural instruction, scriptural guidance for us and how to have friends and how to keep them. Uh, before I go any further, I just want to remind everybody that, indeed, friendship is God's idea. We read right at the very beginning of our Bible in the book of Genesis uh, that after God created Adam, uh, he said it's not good for man to be alone. It was God who acknowledged and recognized that it was not good for, for human beings to be alone. It's not good for men to be alone. It's not good for women to be alone. God knows that we need relationship. Now, there's a reason for this, and a, a lot of us don't understand this, but there is definitely a reason why we need relationship, and it's because the Bible says we were created in the image of God, and this means that we have much of what he is, and what is he? Well, he describes himself in one word. It's, the word is love. And so everybody here can, I think, figure out, easily understand that love needs an object. It, and, and, and this is who God is. God created us for relationship with us. And because we were created in his image, we are never truly happy. We're never truly fulfilled. We're not truly content until we are in relationship with other human beings. This is the way we were created. God did not create us to be hermits. God did not create us to be alone. And I'm going to say this to you today, that those who prefer to be alone, those who prefer not to be in contact with other human beings, uh, we could safely say that there's probably some kind of a psychological problem that that person has. It's not normal. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how to have great relationships, great friendships. And I'd like to just draw your attention to a couple of verses from Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 6. And if you could just read that with me. Wounds. Okay, and then the next verse. Perfume and incense. Okay, I think that you all, you all read that and you all understood that. Okay, so here's, here's what we know. We understand that, that friendship is intended to be something more than uh, what we would, might find on, on Facebook. How many know that you can't really have 800 friends? Everybody knows that? We want to talk this morning about what, friend, what friendship looks like and what it feels like. I'm going to tell you right off the bat that nobody can have 800 friends. You can have 800 acquaintances, but you cannot really have 800 friends. In fact, some would suggest that you cannot have any more than just a handful of friends at any one time. And so, what does friendship look like? Well, 
Uh, I'm going to tell you this. A simple, simple definition for friendship is just honest and sometimes intense interactions. Let me share with you a few cultural uh, proverbs to help illustrate my point. There's a Sicilian uh, proverb. Everybody knows where Sicily is? It's part of what? Italy, that's right. Thank you. Thank you. You get a point. Um, This Sicilian proverb says this, only your real friends will tell you when your face is dirty. I think it probably sounds better in Italian, but you get the point, right? Only your real friend is going to tell you the truth. Is going to tell you what maybe somebody else won't tell you. Like for instance, when I'm out with Glory and I'm I'm and I'm digging into a good juicy hamburger, uh, she'll tell me if I've got mustard on my nose or or a piece of pickle hanging from my chin. She's really good that way. But there are others of us who would say, you know what? Um, I, I don't know you well enough to tell you that you're looking like an idiot. <laughs> Good friendship means that we tell the truth to each other. Now, there's a a great Russian proverb that says this. A mere friend will agree with you, but a real friend will argue. Not good. Trust the Russians, right? (laughs) A real friend will argue. A real friend will tangle with you. A real friend will get into it with you. A real friend believes and understands that your relationship is not just an inch deep and a mile wide. We're talking about true and real friendship. True and real friendship. Now, let's go back to Facebook for a moment. Um, Some of you know that I'm not on Facebook, and some of you also know that Gloria is on Facebook. And so she'll tell me every now and again, hey, come and take a look at this. And so uh, I've, I've I've come to know what's going on in many of your lives, um, some of it is good. Some of it, well, we won't talk about it right now. <laughs> but let me say this. What I do know is that to have a friend takes more than a click of a button. How many know that? I think I'm going to be your friend. Click, you're my friend. And you ticked me off this week, so click, I've unfriended you. But now I feel better, so I want you to be my friend again. Click. And so you're, with, with a click of a mouse, you're my friend, you're not my friend, you're my friend again. I've got to tell you something, people. These are not your friends. These are acquaintances. Some of them may be your friends. But here's the problem, is that we've come to the place where we believe or that we think that this is what friendship is about. And I'm going to tell you today that it's so much more. It's so much more than what we would have to call the superficiality. I'm going to tell you that our understanding of friendship today in 2012 would be a very foreign idea, a very foreign concept to the ancients. C.S. Lewis, some of you may know him, he wrote a book called, uh, well, he wrote many books, including the Chronicles of Narnia, but one of his great books called The Four Loves, a book that I would recommend to everybody. Um, He says this, he says, to the ancients... That's to people, you know, a thousand years ago, two thousand, three thousand years ago. To the ancients, friendship seemed the happiest and most fully human of all loves. The crown of life and the school of virtue. And then C.S. Lewis goes on to say that the modern world, in comparison, ignores it. Now, he wrote these words back probably 1950s or 60s. Uh, That's 60 years ago. What would he say today about us? He says the modern world ignores friendship. What would he say about us today? We who are afraid to enter into relationships, 
Now, I'm going to tell you something. Friendship really is God's idea. And we, when we go to the scripture, we find so much excellent wisdom and guidance for us to, to lead us in great and healthy relationships. Um, but this is something that's, that social scientists are just figuring out now. They're just starting to, to, to do studies and begin to understand the power of friendship and what it's all about. Listen to this. The American Sociological Review says this about North Americans. That, that includes us, in case you don't know your geography. Uh, North Americans are suffering a loss in the quality and the quantity of close friendships since at least 1985. They've noticed a decline since 1985 in the quantity and the quality of close friendships. And they, they believe that much of it is because, the, because of the advent of the internet and, and people's inclination now to disconnect from real life flesh and blood relationships to that which is on the internet. And I'm going to just say this. I'm not saying that chatting with your friends on the internet, there's anything wrong with that. That is, it's great. It's wonderful. But the problem is this, is that we somehow will let that become a substitute for the real thing. For real, intense, and honest interactions. Remember, that's what friendship really looks like. That's what it's all about. This study goes on to say this. 25% of the people that they have surveyed have no close confidants. That means that there's, there's the 25%, like one in four of us, would have nobody that we could pour our heart out to. One in four of us have not got somebody that we could go and share our joys with, our problems, our, our distresses, our pain with. I'm going to tell you, this is a sad state. And here's the thing. God knows what we need. And this is why God calls us into these kinds of relationships, these friendships, whereby our hearts are encouraged and nurtured. This study goes on to say that uh, that the average total number of confidence per person has dropped from a total of four down to two. And it's getting worse. It's dropping continuously. The, uh, the study that I was reading went on to say this about friendship. It has been shown that loneliness and a lack of social supports are linked to an increased risk of heart disease, viral infections, cancer, as well as higher mortality rates. And two researchers have, been, uh, have even termed friendship a behavioral vaccine that protects both physical and mental health. Now, isn't that interesting? This is something that social scientists are just discovering now, but it's as a, understand, it's an ancient prescription given by God for our mental and our spiritual and social well-being. We need each other. In fact, we need close friendships. In fact, what we need to do, I believe, is that we need to start learning how to close down, how to shut down the social media and all the media in our lives so that we can actually, actually have some honest and maybe intense interactions with each other. This is God's plan. So I ask you the question today. When's the last time you had a great, a great discussion with a good friend? And I'm not talking just about family members. I'm not talking just about your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. I'm not talking just about the people that, are, that you work with. I'm talking about those people that you would call my friend. You see, you need to do that for your spiritual and for your physical and for your mental well-being. It's for your own good. And, 
And friends, that's what friendship is. It's more than just somebody that you add to your list of friends. The ancient Greeks had a word for friendship. And you've heard the term Philadelphia. Everybody hear that? Philadelphia. It's, it's not just the name of a city in the States. Everybody understands that. Philadelphia comes from, from actually a combination of two Greek words. Philia, meaning love, and Adelphos, meaning brother. It's, it's, a, it's a special love that the Greeks have. We don't have special words that distinguish the different types of love. And that's really a pity for us. Because we, we tend to think, we, we tend to ignore and tend to forget the importance of the friends in our lives. It was so important to Aristotle that he actually called philia, or that friendship kind of love, he actually called that one of the great human virtues. And that if you were not able to enter into that kind of a relationship, into a friendship, then in his opinion, uh, there would be something wrong with you. That you would be somehow uh, falling short. So again, I ask you the question, what's the state of your friendships? Do you have any friends? And what are you doing to nurture those friendships? So friendship then, just in a nutshell, is honest and perhaps sometimes intense interactions between, between two human beings that made a decision to care for each other. Or what, what the Greeks would call philia or Philadelphia. Now that's what friendship looks like, but what does it feel like? Well, uh, I wish I could tell you that friendship always felt good. How many understand that, that it doesn't always feel good? Our tendency in our, in our culture is the minute that someone disses us, it's over. You say something nasty to me, you hurt my feelings, I'm not talking to you again, or I'm going to give you the silent treatment, or you know, you're gonna, I'm going to ignore you for 40 days. Or I'm going to dislike you, I'm going to disfriend you on Facebook. You're no longer my friend for a while until I cool off. Or until you do something to prove that you really love me. Here's what the, here's what the writer of Proverbs says. He says, uh, could you back up a verse there, bud? In Proverbs 27, 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So listen to this, folks. Listen. If you think that the person that really loves you is a person who only ever tells you what you want to hear and only tells you nice things and multiplies kisses to you, I'm going to tell you, according to the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, uh, that person is not a real friend. In fact, he would say that the wounds of a friend can be trusted. The one who will tell you the truth, tell you what you need to hear, that's your real friend. Even when it hurts. And so, what does friendship feel like? Well, sometimes it really hurts. But as, it, as we read in Proverbs 27, verse 9, sometimes it's really pleasant. Sometimes it just feels so good. What does friendship look like? Intense and honest interactions. What does it feel like? Sometimes painful, sometimes pleasant, in the end, very energizing. Have you uh, maybe abandoned a friend in your life because you didn't like what he or she said to you? Could I ask you to reconsider your decision? And stop and ask yourself the question, do you think that your friend who's speaking the truth into your life really is looking for a fight? 
Or do you think that maybe, just maybe, that friend has got your best interests at heart? Because, folks, this is what true friendship is. Sometimes it hurts. And sometimes it's very pleasant. And it's always energizing. It always makes you a better person. But the thing is, is that you've got to be prepared to submit yourself to that. I want you to notice how, um, maybe go back that, go back, I'm sorry, back and forth here. Proverbs 27 says, look at what he says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. So here's the thing. These two verses I'm telling you about really are saying the same thing. But in, in verse 6 of Proverbs 27, uh, this honest, honest sharing, honest, honestly speaking into a friend's life, he calls it a wound. But by the time you get to verse 9, now he's not calling it a wound. He's calling it pleasantness. He's calling, he says, it's, uh, it's pleasant. the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Wow, at first it's, at first it's a wound, but now it's, it's heartfelt advice. Now it's pleasant. I'm going to tell you, this is exactly what happens when you change your attitude about what people are saying to you. At first, it feels like a wound. But once you begin to understand that your friend has your very best interests at heart, now you move from the wounding to the pleasantness of this heartfelt advice. And it's absolutely beautiful. The problem with so many of us, though, is that we're so immature. And we don't want to be, we don't want anybody telling us their opinion. In fact, for some of us, we just say, you know, I've got my opinions, you've got yours. Can I just remind everybody this morning, when you came here, you did not come here to hear Alan Duncalf's opinions, did you? You didn't get up early in the morning to come to church to hear my opinions. As much as I think my opinions are wonderful, uh, that's, that's not enough to gather people together. If you want to hear opinions, then just turn on CNN or, or M, 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 B, what is it? M, NBC, there, MNBC, yeah, talk about opinions. Opinions are a dime a dozen. But what we want, folks, is we want truth. The truth that Jesus says sets us free. You've heard the term, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Folks, listen, this is what we're reading here this morning. We're hearing truth that will revolutionize our lives if we embrace it, if we're willing to accept it. Now, let's just step back for a moment, and let me just share some, um, some personal experiences. I'm going to say that I'm very thankful for the people that uh, God has put into my life. Um, uh, I'll, I'll maybe mention my brother, Kerry, who's four years older than me. And uh, he was one of those people that uh, had no problem wounding me. Uh, and I don't mean physically, although he did try that once in a while. But he was one of those people in my life that spoke the truth to me. And at the time, I'm going to tell you, it was very painful, but uh, I was always thankful for it. Let me give you, for instance, for instance, I would get dressed up, ready to go out, and he would say to me, uh, you're not going out like that, are you? So you look like a dork. <laughs> now, what was my response supposed to be? Well, thank you. I appreciate your input. I'm really grateful for that. Of course, I didn't like that. What's he doing? He's sparing me, because I'm his brother, he's sparing me embarrassment, so that when I go out, I don't look like... He said, you got flood pants on. Anybody know what flood pants are? <laughs> now, I never did go out like that. i got, I got to tell you that. But if they were up just a quarter of an inch too high, he'd say, you got floods on, man. Pull it down a little bit. Or he'd say, you know, you got, you got blackheads on your nose. I wouldn't go out like that. So you want people to laugh at you and call your names? Rudolph? <laughs> And so I'd go into the bathroom and, you know, take care of that. 
he, uh, he would be very quick to tell me what I needed to hear for my sake. Or he'd say, man, you stink. <laughs> now, you could take that one of two ways. You could take that as an insult. You could say, well, thanks. I'll take care of that. And this comes from a guy who has a shower in the morning, in the afternoon, at night, maybe before he goes to bed. It's just that kind of a guy. Thank you, Carrie. Appreciate that. I have my dad, and he's here this morning, so I'm not going to embarrass him too much. I can tell you, there's times that he told me things that I really, really needed to hear, and it hurt, and really hurt. But I can tell you this, that I have been so thankful my whole life for a father who tells me the truth, tells me what I need to hear. I can remember one time he uh, took me aside and said, Alan, do you have any idea how bossy you are? I'm not bossy. (laughs) Yeah, you are. And you you can't be that way. My dad never wanted to hurt me. I know that he didn't want to do that to hurt me. But he was looking out for my best interests. The wounds of a friend are faithful. The wounds of a friend are good for me. They're trustworthy. Those people that love me and care about me and are willing to tell me the truth, it may be painful at the time, but man, is that ever pleasant afterwards when you realize that it's for your best, it's in your best interests. That's what true friendship is. True friendship means this honest, sometimes intense interaction. It means that there's always an honesty. And sometimes it hurts. And sometimes it's really pleasant. And it's always energizing. It always makes you a better person. There are other people in my life. I'm not going to embarrass anybody or mention anybody. But I can tell you, there's a lot, I've had people in my life who've been faithful in telling me the truth. and telling me what I need to hear. Can I tell you what makes for, uh, makes for balance and makes you healthy? It's when you are prepared to embrace those who will tell you the truth and that you'll be prepared to learn and to grow from that. Because here's the thing. We say this all the time. God is a loving God. God cares about you. God wants the best for you. God wants you to be healthy. And here's what God does. Friendship is a gift given by God. It's God's invention. It's God's idea. God wants you to be healthy. And so you know what he's done? He's given you friends or given you opportunity to have friends. And here's what the social scientists are just discovering now, but what God has been telling us for thousands of years through his word. Anthony Joram in the Journal of Epidemiology and Community Health, he says this, good friends, listen to this, this is amazing, good friends encourage their friends to lead more healthy lifestyles, quote, unquote. That's the benefit of good friends. They're going to tell you the truth. They're going to say to you, talking about living more healthy lifestyles, they're going to say to you, hey, you've got to lose a few pounds. Now, you could take that one of two ways. You could get angry and say, oh, yeah, well, you're fat too. <laughs> or you could say... <laughs> Or you could say, you know what, thanks. Can you hold me accountable? That's what a wise friend does. But it all depends on your attitude and how you receive it. 
Anthony uh, Durham goes on to say this, good friends encourage their friends to seek help and access services when needed. So a good friend comes along and says, you know what, you need to get help. You, You can't carry on the way you are. You can't continue to live in the condition that you're in because it's, it's detrimental. In fact, it's destructive. You need help. And once again, friendship comes to the rescue. He goes on to say, number three, good friends enhance their friends' coping skills and dealing with illness and other health problems. That's what good friends do. And fourthly, he goes on to say, good friends actually affect physiological pathways in the body that are protective of health. In other words, what he's saying is a good friendship, good friends will actually improve your your immune system. It'll improve every aspect of your physical, your emotional, your spiritual health. And this is a gift from God. This is God's idea. And And the social scientists are just finding this out. Now, i got to say this to you today. Friendship, really, for the believer, is not, is not optional. Friendship is God's plan for you and me because God knows that that's what makes us the most healthy. I want to just close with this because I know that some are sitting here today and they're saying, you know what, I, I have all the friendship I need right in my own family. I don't need anybody else. I don't, I, I'm best friends with my brother, I'm best friends with my sister, whatever, I'm best friends with my parents. My parents and I, we talk all the time. Okay, you know what, that's great. And, you know, viva la familia. Uh, but it's not enough. It's, it's not enough. Thank God for close families. But, he, but here's, here's, the, here's why, um, here's why, why you need friends, not just family friends. And it's because of this. Family, they have to love you because of the blood ties. Isn't that right? I mean, how many times you got together at Christmas time with your family, you thought to yourself, man, I would not be eating with these people if I wasn't related to them. <laughs> Isn't that right? <laughs> I would not be having breakfast with this person if I, wasn't, if I wasn't related to them. It's true, isn't it? And so we have these blood relationships and our... And, 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 and frankly, it's wonderful if you can be best friends with your family. But the problem is, is that you need more than that. And I'm going to tell you why. It's, it's because of this. It's because uh, you can't see and your family can't see what outsiders see. You function in the context of your family and you think you're normal. They think they're normal. Everybody's normal. But guess what? Your family normal is not necessarily Normal. You getting what I'm saying today? What you think is normal in the context of your family may be very weird. In fact, oftentimes it's really, really weird. And for this reason, you need to invite people who are on the outside into your life to challenge you, to encourage you that maybe the way you're living is not the best way to live. And I've seen this over and over and over again. Families who are just totally inward-looking and with, with no interaction from the outside. And they really become, you know, pardon the expression, but they become socially retarded. They really, they really have stopped growing. They've stopped developing. And it's very, very unhealthy. Now, yes, have a strong family. Please get along with your family. Work hard at it. Uh, I, I'm personally 
working hard on my family relationships. I invest a lot of time and energy in that. But I'm also investing time in the, in the people that God has brought into my life, people that I would call my dear and close friends. Because my dear and close friends are going to tell me when I'm, when I'm not normal, when I'm acting strange, when I've got strange opinions and strange ideas. I would say this to you. You need to invite your friends to speak into your life. And it's, I mean, it's risky. It's, oh, it's hugely risky. In fact, it's risky just having friends. Ask Jesus. His 12 closest friends, when it came right down to it, they all betrayed him in the end. But thankfully, 11 of them turned around and they were good and loyal friends again. And one was beyond help. It's very risky. But I can tell you this. It's the best investment of your time and your energy that you will ever make. Because here's what everybody needs to know. You want to know what life is about? It's about your relationships. And when you are on your deathbed, you're not going to talk about, man, I wish I had a bigger car, I wish I had a bigger house, I wish I had more money in my bank account. You, nobody ever talks about that on their deathbed. And I know because I've been doing this for 30 years, and I've, I've been at the deathbeds of many people, and nobody ever talks about things they talk about their relationships. And for some, it's, huge, it's tremendous, tremendously huge re, uh, regrets. And for others, it's, I, I thank God. And for most people, I wish I would have done more to connect with my kids, my family, my parents, my friends. I wish I would have done more. So can I encourage you today to pray and ask God to open your heart to receive friends into your life? And, and, and beyond that, I, I would encourage you to take the risky step of asking people to speak into your life and tell you what you need to hear. Maybe you need to ask someone to be your mentor. Somebody who will tell you what you need to hear and not necessarily what you want to hear. Somebody who will tell you the truth. I can tell you this. The most immature people around are the ones who don't want to hear any advice and don't want any input from anybody else. The most mature people are humble and they're open to receive and to hear and to change. What category do you fit in today? And remember, God wants you to have a great life. God loves you. And he wants your life to be wonderful. Do it his way and be happy. Let's pray. Let's stand together, shall we? Father, I just want to say thank you for the instruction from your word. This ancient, ancient wisdom handed down to us over so many hundreds of years. And we discover that it's, it's, it's right up to date. It's so timely. It's what we need to hear. It's what we need to know. God, I pray right now that you give us the grace and the wisdom to invite people into our lives to embrace the friends that we have and to embrace the pain as well as the pleasantness. Give us the wisdom, God, to enter into these honest and intense relationships and interactions with the people in our lives. God, we, uh, we have, in 2012, in our, in our generation, we've become so shallow and for many of us so lonely. And God, we, uh, we know that that's not what you want for us. You want the best for us. And we know, God, that the way that, that we were, will be fulfilled and be joyful and happy is if we have great relationships, because that's what life's about. So give us a grace to not only 
embrace our friends, but give us the grace to be great friends. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Tell that person beside you, I like you.